effectiveness of our mission that we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, who will serve sacrificially, who will speak truthfully, who will live holy, who will go globally in the supernatural power and presence of Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can I have an amen on that? And so as we are pressing in, as we're contending for the things of God, um, I'm excited. I am not discouraged. I'm actually realizing that we are getting closer and closer to the manifest presence of God, and we are growing deep our roots. And even last week I shared how um, in the midst of, uh, of this journey, uh, gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. And maturity is expensive. Everybody say that with me. Maturity is expensive. But we're not maturing uh, for us and for just our benefit. We are maturing for the generations of our children and our children's children. And as far as we go, then our children and the generations after us, even what they sang prophetically this morning, it is generationally what we're contending for, for the glory of our Lord. Can I have an amen on that? For the glory of our Lord, not to make us famous, not to do something for us, but for the name of the Lord to be glorified in this region, for the name of the Lord to be exalted, for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that in the word of God, it's always about occupying the land. It's about taking back the land. It's about bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Can I have an amen on that? And so today, where I'm going to start a, a series, I don't know how long it's going to go, but it's going to be entitled, Growing in the Favor of God. Say that with me, Growing in the Favor of God. How many want to grow in the favor of God? Amen. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about this, Growing in the God's Favor. I have no clue how long, how far we're going to get today. I don't think I'm going to get the whole message done, but it's okay since we're on a series. But this began to be stirred in me and even Pastor Tom uh, several weeks ago and even as we went through um, Kristen Supinger's battle with cancer and we shared the prophetic word we got last week um, on Facebook that, you know, um, we, we lost a battle but we are not losing the war, okay? And so we're in a war, we're in a, you know... Uh, that's why we're raising up radical lovers and an army of God to, to bring forth heaven. But um, as, as we went through what we've went through, you know, what would it look like in your life and in my life if we were known as people who carry the favor of God on us? What would that look like? What does it mean? What, is it, what does it look like if we were to be a people, a, be, be a church, that the favor of God was on us, in us, and working through us in such a way that when we lay hands on the sick, they do recover. That the favor of God is on us in such a way that we are carriers of of his favor and carriers of his presence. That favor goes with us everywhere we go. That favor goes into my job. Favor goes with me, and there is favor on my, my, God's favor is on my life when I go to work. That favor is on me with my employees that I work with. That, 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 that there's something that we're known to be, known to carry. That when I go to work, I carry the favor and the peace and the joy of the Lord, and that I create an atmosphere of that favor. So that when people come in contact with me, they actually experience that favor and that presence of God. Instead of anger, bitterness, discord, jealousy, rage, all the things that you see at work. What would it look like of this house becoming such a people of favor and presence? And all of our little houses, individually as families, 
that those individual houses becoming so mature and so full of favor within each individual house that corporately this house has such power and favor and presence. Because this house will never, ever manifest the dreams that we have, we, we, we're believing God for if each individual house does not operate in the favor and the presence of God. It will be a pipe dream. We'll talk about it and nothing will ever manifest. So each of us corporately and in each of us individually, we must be carriers of something. And we must be carriers and we must be growing in the favor of God. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks. I'm going to talk about what attracts the favor of God. I'm going to talk about what repels the favor of God. Because I believe we walk in a level of favor within this house. I shared last week where there were things that took place within Kristen where we actually gained ground. And there was favor on, on, on this house as we fought. There were some things we won in that journey. There, there, there was maturity and there was fasting and there was praying. And there was this attracting the favor of God in that presence. Would you not all agree? And I thank God for you guys that we did that. And I shared last week how I will continue to fight as a pastor for your children and for you. If, you, if, you, if an illness befalls you, we will contend until the end. Can I have an amen on that? I will fight with you and you will fight with me. But what is it to be surrounded by God's favor in your life? And how different would it be if doors literally opened because of the favor of God? What would that look like? So that's where we want to go. Does anybody sound, sound good? We want to go there? And so, but I, I do want to put a warning. This is not for the faint in heart. Because favor is costly. And favor is expensive. And we've went through something very costly and very expensive this last week. As we've... Uh, lost a battle but if a seed does not fall to the ground and die it abides alone I believe there's going to come a, a huge huge harvest from that seed can I have an amen on that so it will require faith and it will require some work from you if we're going to progress and move into the favor of the Lord now that's, so that's that's where we're heading and it will require faith and it will require work and it's not that we earn the favor of God. We, I, I don't want to get into a works mentality, so I want to put that in, in, in this, that this is not a works method. I don't, I don't believe in works for the favor of God. I believe I'm already in the favor of God. Amen. I believe I'm already favored by God. I believe because of my salvation, I have received favor from God. And, and so I want you to understand your salvation, that gift that you've been given, there is a level of favor that you already walk in, but we can grow and mature that favor, okay? Amen. So are you with me? So I'm not talking about works, but I am talking about faith without works is dead. Okay. So I want to make that clear. I am not talking about a works mentality when I talk about this. But it is going to require work. Are you with me? And so if we're going to grow in favor with God and man, and there are things that we need to grow in, and I believe this house is, and we're positioned in a way that we're, what God is doing in this hour, this is a house, I believe, that wants to grow in the favor of God. So we're going to go there, amen? So say, I'm going to go there. I'm going to grow in the favor of God. And if you're listening to with us online, I say, say it right there in your home. I am going to grow in the favor of God. And so the word, the word favor in, in, in the Greek um, is the word charis. And it is used 156 times in the New Testament. And it's some the word that is used for that Greek word charis sometimes is the word favor, and sometimes it is the word grace. Okay? So when we're talking about God's favor, we're talking about favor and grace. Those two words are used interchangeably 156 times in the New Testament. But that word literally means to have God's grace, 
to have God's gratitude, to have God's esteem, to have God's approval, to have God's support, to have God's power working on our behalf. It is not favoritism. God does not show partiality, but He does show favor. <laughs> so I'm not talking about partiality. I'm not talking about um, favor is love. God loves everyone, right? He loves us all the same. He is not partial. But God does show favor to people. And we're going to go into what are all those things that are in the Word. And I've, begin, I've been studying the lives of so many people this week as I've looked at the favor that was on their life and then going back and looking at what were the attributes, what were the things that were attracting the favor of God to those people so that I can share with you some insights from the Word of God so that you can begin to say, okay, I, I, there, are, there are specific things I need, I, I need to do, and as I do those things, it attracts the favor of God to my life. It attracts the favor of God to this house. And so we can grow in the favor or the esteem, the grace, the approval, or the support of God. So is this biblical? And I want to I show some scriptures here that growing in the faith uh, or favor of God is a biblical, biblical, um, it, it is biblical. And so <clears throat> I'm going to share scripture here in Luke. Tom and I have been talking about this passage, uh, and it's, it's, it's really Interesting. It, you don't think of Jesus needing this, but I want to set the stage before I show you the scripture. The passage that I'm getting ready to read in out of Luke is when Jesus had went to Jerusalem with his family, and they had went for the festival to sacrifice and to do what that festival required at Passover. And Jesus, they were there a whole week with the family. And the family leaves and Jesus stays back at the temple. You guys remember that story? And Jesus is in the temple. He's listening to the word of God. He's, he's, he's in it. And here's what the passage says about Jesus out of Luke 2, verses 51 and 52. It says, then Jesus went down to Nazareth with them. So he's, go he's leaving Jerusalem and he's going back to Nazareth with his family. And he was obedient to his parents. He was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Everybody say, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Now, that perplexed me a bit because I, did, I just can't imagine Jesus growing in any more favor, being the very Son of God. But there is something in that context of that passage where Jesus not only grew in size, stature, but Jesus also grew in wisdom and knowledge because he was both God and man, correct? So he was not only God, but he took the very form of a man. So he literally grew in stature and wisdom. He was in the temple learning the, 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 the word. He was, he was growing in stature and wisdom and in favor with God and man. Here's another passage out of 1 Samuel about the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. So now we have not only Jesus, but we have also Samuel, who is a young boy. And, it's, and he was in the temple, and he had been dedicated to the Lord by Hannah. And Hannah had surrendered her son to Eli, the priest. And, and Samuel was raised in the house of God. He was raised under Eli. And Eli had really this burden in his heart because his own sons were not following the Lord's ways. But Samuel was. And it says that Sa the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with people. And then one other one that we have is Mary the mother of Jesus, it says in Luke 1.28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So there was this thing. And so theologians uh, say that when Jesus went uh, to the temple, he was approximately the age of 12. When Samuel the boy 
was uh, growing in favor with God, he was in the age of around 10 to 12 years of age. And Mary, they estimate she was around 12 to 14. So teenagers, hey, stay with me. Hang in with me today. You guys can grow in the favor of God at your age right now. Can I have an amen on that? And you old farts aren't too old to grow in the favor of God. Can I have an amen on that? We can all grow in the favor with God and with man. But there has to be a desire to grow in that favor. Samuel had a desire to grow. Jesus had a desire to grow. Mary, obviously, had a desire to grow. And so it is possible for all of us to grow in the favor of the Lord. Now what I want to do is I want to give you a little example from my own life to kind of begin to, because I think it's like Mike did when he threw poor Alex down on the ground. You know, sometimes when we see a picture, when we see a story that, uh, that plays out, we can kind of begin to put our finger or our hand in what does it look like to carry the favor of the Lord. Because what I'm finding out as I've been studying this, even in my own life, not all areas of my life am I operating in the favor of the Lord. But I have specific areas in my life where I operate and there is a heavy favor of the Lord upon my life. And so when we're going through this message, the Lord is going to highlight where where you're walking in favor, and he's also going to highlight to you where you're not walking in favor. I'm getting ready to share you an example of where I'm walking in the favor of the Lord. I will share where I'm not succeeding too. I want to be vulnerable with you where there's areas in my life where I'm not walking in the favor. And it's really convicted me as I begin to study the favor of the Lord. I'm beginning to see why I'm not operating in the fear of the Lord in that, or in the favor of the Lord in that area of my life. But I wanted to start, and so, and it's kind of neat because all you high schoolers are here where you're graduating high school. I'm going to share an area of my life when I was your age. I was a junior in high school. And the favor of the Lord was already starting to show up in my life. I was a lover of God, although I was very immature in my walk with Christ. And I wondered how in the world was I going to be able to pay for college? How in the world was I going to be able to afford college? I worked in high school at a grocery store making minimum wage. Back in the centuries ago, that was $3.35 an hour. And I was probably only making about 30 hours a week. I was also working, uh, baling hay and working for a farm lady. But But the favor of the Lord when it comes to finances has pursued me. It's chased me down. And I want to share some of that story. And I think what you're going to do is you're going to start to see within some of this, and please don't take this as I am bragging, because dear God, I am not bragging. I'm trying to use a real-life example that you can put your sink your teeth in. You know what I'm saying? So that you can put practical application to your own life about where is God wanting to, to mature you and to help you grow in the favor of God. So please don't let the enemy try to make it, because this isn't about me. This is about us growing in the fear of the Lord. So that's just a a disclaimer, okay? So at any rate, when I was in high school and I was making $3.35 an hour, between my junior junior year and uh, my senior year in high school, um, the Lord opened a door for me to work for the McBride Corporation, which was a construction company that built bridges. And so I went from $3.35 an hour to $5.35 an hour. I was getting two more dollars an hour. And uh, that doesn't seem like a lot of money right now, I realize. And so I would, I would put that money and I would save that money because I had this goal of, of going to college. And, uh, and so I would save all the money. Now, what happened was when I took that job, I could work as many hours as I, I wanted. And I was all by myself in this barn where they kept all these steel forms. The forms were anywhere from eight feet tall and they were 30 inches wide. They were steel forms and they had a wood face on them. And the job that I was hired to do is I had to clean every one of those forms. I had to chip off all the concrete on them and then I had to spray them with oil and then I had to restack them based upon size. In a hot barn, day after day, all by myself, 
I could be lazy and no one would know it. I could goof off and no one would know it. And my mom and dad had taught me hard work. And so I honored what that was and I worked hard and I did the job and I made more money that summer than I'd ever made in my life. And I socked it away for college because I knew the following year Ball State was going to be on my horizons and I knew that I was going to need some money. So to proceed on with that, that story, so my, my senior year of high school then, it begins to, they, they want me to come back. And I find out that this time, actually now I'm a freshman, so that was, my, that was the before my, that was my senior year of high school that I did that. So then I went to school, I borrowed some money on a student loan because I couldn't make all the, the money for, the, for Ball State. I took a student loan out, did that. And uh, that summer, before summer came, I, I just called and said, hey, you guys need any more help? I need a job for the summer. And they said, yeah, come on on. And this time, I had no clue that favor was coming down my path. I had no clue what Papa God was getting ready to do. So in my freshman year of college, I had found my people. High schoolers, find your people. When I got to college, I found other lovers of God. I pursued them. I looked for them. I found my people. And I started, I, that freshman year of college, I actually was in two or three Bible studies a week. I was growing in the Word of God. I was growing in the knowledge of God. I began to start loving His Word, and I, and I just started growing in my walk with Christ. It was powerful. And so I started learning things like about the tithe. I thought, okay, I'll start tithing my income. And I start learning God's principles as we were in these Bible studies. And so I just started doing it. And so then after that freshman year, I, I get in contact with the McBride Corporation. They said, yes, we'd like for you to come back. But what we'd like to do this year is we would like to hire you as a laborer on the job site. I said, cool, no problem. I'll go to the job site. I like not being by myself. I'm a people person. <laughs> and so... The favor of God was there, and I had no clue. So I'm just assuming I'm going to make the same amount of money. And so I go to the job site, and they have me show up at 6.30 in the morning. Everybody say, Ugh. For a 19-year-old, I didn't know 6.30 existed. And so that first week, I worked 6.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night every day out in the hot sun as a laborer, as a flunky, as the low man on the totem pole, the gopher, all the hard work, carrying all the 16-foot four-by-fours to plant them up on the deck of the, the, of the bridge. I carried sheet after sheet of plywood. I was the guy that when we poured the deck, I was the one that had the pump at the end, and we were running the pump, and I covered, and I had concrete burns all over me. You wore long sleeves, you wore long pants, you zip-tied you zip your pants so that concrete didn't get in your pants. I was that guy. Everybody say glory, hallelujah. <laughs> I, character was being forged in the fire of that dirty, hot job. Well, the first week, I worked more than 40 hours a week, and I get my paycheck. And I start crying because I had no clue what God was doing in the favor of God on my life. Now that I was working on the job site and it was a federal job, I was making prevailing wages. <laughs> now I realize that was 35 years ago. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think the wage was 19 bucks an hour. I think that was the wage which is huge for a 19, 20-year-old. Can I have an amen? amen? But it wasn't just 19 an hour because I was getting overtime, so I was making 27 an hour. And you'll wonder how I paid for college. When I started writing this down, I just started bawling. <laughs> the goodness of God. And so for three summers, I worked 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. every day. And I wanted to sleep in. I wanted to not go to work. My body was aching. Anybody ever been there? But character was being forged in the fire. 
I could work hard or I could try to work hard to get out of work. You ever been with one of those people where they work harder to get out of work than they work to get work? I didn't do that because I had a dad and a mom that would have spiked me. Yeah, I know you're watching mom and dad. They would have, they would have, you know, there was honor that they taught us children. And so, again, what attracts the favor of God? And so, I was tithing, I was giving to the Lord what attracts the favor of God. And so, anyway, um, three summers that I did, I worked that job. I paid for all of my tuition, I paid for all of my books, I paid for all of my. Uh, food, my uh, gas, my car insurance, you name it. All of that stuff was simple to pay. And I had beautiful parents. Praise God, they, they supported me in other ways and they gave all kinds of food and you know all the supplies of shampoo and stuff like that because they had three kids in college. You know how that, guy, that goes, right? Yeah. But the, the, I, I can't even... I was able, and again, this isn't tooting my horn. I remember, uh, I don't know if my, I think it was my sophomore year in college, and I, of course, I'd, I'd banked all this. I was tight as, I think you could have put a piece of coal in my rear cheeks, and within three weeks, I think you'd had a diamond. <laughs> I mean, I was tight. I didn't spend money on me. I was made fun of because I had an AM radio in my, in my car, and I could afford whatever stereo I wanted. But that wasn't the issue. The goals, and I just, there were other goals that I had, and one of them sits on the front row. <laughs> but in that process of God forging my character and forging things in my heart, um, I, was, I was able to bless so many people privately without them even knowing. And there was this family, I'll never forget it, one of my buddies, uh, that his dad was a pastor, and I would go home on the weekend with him, and we would go to church, and it was a charismatic church, it's where I got filled with the Holy Spirit at that church, I was, because I, mean, I was growing, and it, it was just, it was a powerful season. And so, um, there was this family that got laid off, and I heard about them needing money for groceries, and I can, I'll never forget rolling up a $100 bill, and I watched when he walked in, and I saw which coat he hung up, and I pulled his gloves out of his coat, and I stuck that $100 bill in the finger of the gloves, and I put it back in the, co in the coat, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you just, he'll, he'll get blessed, you know what I'm saying? Th those were the things God was putting in my heart, because I also had a gift of giving. And so if you got a gift of giving, you got to have money to give, right? And so, but that is how that all started. And so when I graduated from college, I had no, I had no debt from uh, student loans. I had a huge savings account, uh, and I got married to this beautiful bride, and uh, she had done much of the same thing, and she had a savings account, and, 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 and even this week, we, we were blessed to sell Rebecca's house in one day, and they actually gave us more money for the house than what we asked for it, Amen. you know, and, and, and so there's this favor when it comes to finances. Now, there are other areas in my life there's not that favor, and God's beginning to convict me on that. But I want you to realize that you can attract that kind of favor in your life. I think Mike said it. He said, what I've overcome is a prophetic word for you to overcome it. Can I have an amen on that? And so we can walk in these things, and God wants us to walk in them. And I want to say this. Other people may have more talent than you. They have, may have more education than you. They may have more prominence or status than you. They may have more experience than you. But God's favor can cause you to go places that no one else can go. God's favor can take you places that their experience, their status, their whatever it is, it won't take you. I, I'll never forget that when I got my first job and I, I, I was interviewing at Ball State because they, they came there to interview you. I was one of the first guys in the business school to land a job at the bank, at a bank. And people were going, oh, dude, tell me about the interview process. But there was this favor on jobs. There was this favor on making money. And guys, you can't make that stuff up. It's not something I deserved. 
It was part of the plan and the purposes of God. Can I have an amen on that? And I, 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 just, I just know that there are things that this house and there are people in this house that there are things that God has called you to accomplish and you cannot accomplish it without the favor of God. There are things you're believing God for. There are things in the spirit. There are things to obtain. There are mountains to go over that it will not happen without the favor of God on your life. And so I want to look at a passage today and we'll see how far we get through here since it's 10 till 12, glory to be to God. And it's, the, it's in the faith chapter, it's in the hall of faith, and hopefully you've read that, and it talks about how all these men and women were so blessed of the Lord as they stood in faith, believing God for certain things, and how the favor of God was on their life to accomplish many things. And so here this passage in Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he... Who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. Say diligently seek him. I'm going to make three points and maybe just one today. We'll see how far we get. Because this is going to be a cumulative message. So you'll have to come back next week to get it. Because we want to know how God, how God works and how favor comes to our life. But my first point is... And you have got to believe this with all your heart, that God rewards us. Say it with me. God rewards us. God rewards us. He does. Do you believe that? By faith, Enoch pleased God and had favor, and Enoch was taken up. He did not experience death. Abraham, by faith, believed God, and God's favor was on Abraham, and God blessed him. God rewarded Abraham. I think of Noah. God blessed Noah. God brought favor to Noah's life. I mean, think about the guy building a ship off land, not by the sea, not by the water, off of land, out in the middle of nowhere for a hundred some years, believing God, and he builds a boat even though they haven't had rain. And God rewarded him. Crazy. Crazy. Say, God rewards us. I want to show a couple scriptures on this point. I actually changed this part of the message early this morning. Because I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on this. But I just, when I woke up this morning, it was like, the Lord just, he, he said, hey, I, don't, Eric, I think you need to emphasize reward us a little bit. And so we may even just stay here today. I may not get to my two other points. Because do you really believe that God rewards us? Yeah. And we're going to get to, into some of these other points. Does God reward disobedience? He rewards obedience. And so I think what happens in the body of Christ often is we are hanging on receiving all the promises of God, thinking that we're going to be rewarded for that, but we think we can do it outside of obedience. We think we will get all those blessings without diligently seeking him. I heard a hush over the crowd. <laughs> Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Say, not for men. <laughs> Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Again, there is reward we're not just talking about the inheritance in the sweet by and by. We're not talking about the inheritance of just after we leave this life. There is an inheritance to receive even here. There is a reward to even receive here. The other one is out of Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. I can barely lend to a brother in the Lord, let alone my enemy. 
and your reward, everybody say reward, and my reward will be what? And you will be what? Sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So he's even saying to the ungrateful and the evil, I want you to, I want you to show the favor of God. I want you to demonstrate the favor of God even to the ungrateful and the evil. Bless those who despitefully use you. Bless them, do not curse them. Hint. One of the things that attracts the favor of God. Hint. Hint. One of the other passages that I want to read is out of Matthew 6, his first sermon of Jesus. He said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have, what? No, no reward from your heavenly Father. Mm. So, that's what doesn't attract the favor of God. Got that? Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. What? Their praise from man, right? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will what? Will what? And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites who pray out loud, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So what Jesus is talking about in here is the motivation of my heart in my giving and my motivation in my heart of praying must be unto the Lord and not to the praise of man. Anybody ever fallen into that trap? Smoked that pipe one too many times. Anybody else? People pleasing? Anybody ever done that? So reward is tied to practicing righteousness. Do you hear me? Reward is tied to practicing righteousness. Everybody say practicing righteousness. Now I realize you have been given the gift of righteousness, right? It has been imputed to you through Christ. You have, it, has been, it has been given to you on, a, on your account. You are righteous through what you have received in the blood of Jesus Christ, right? We are righteous. But the practicing of righteousness, the walking out our salvation with fear and trembling, the honoring of the Lord with our lives is what we're talking about here. The motivations of my heart, of why I do what I do, that's what attracts the favor of God. When your heart motives are unto the Lord and not to the pleasing of man. And so much giving in the body of Christ, so much ministry, so much working, and so much outreach, and so much other stuff can be done for the glory of man. And I've done it. Wanting people to love you, wanting people to accept you, wanting people to have favorable thoughts about you. Anybody else done that? That's one way to attract not the favor of the Lord. Practicing righteousness. Everybody say that. Practicing righteousness. <laughs> 12 o'clock. Praise the Lord. I'm going to hit point two fast. Out of that passage that we just read in Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And so for favor to be attracted to you, for favor to come towards you, you have to be born again. 
Let's just put it where it's at. I realize that there are unsaved people that do receive favor. I'm not saying that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But the favor that we're talking about here that moves mountains, the favor that we're talking here that actually changes things in your heritage, that changes things in people's lives, healings, deliverance, strongholds broken. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves everyone, but his favor is attracted to believers. Oh, I could put that point up there, couldn't I? God's favor is attracted to believers. He loves everyone, but his favor is attracted to believers. You must be a believer to walk in this kind of favor. Everybody say, I must be a believer to walk in this kind of favor. Now, one of the things Tom shared several weeks ago in his series on sonship, and and the reason I, 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 I almost passed through this point, but I just, I just feel like the Lord said no. But one of the things that Tom shared, and then I'm going to land this plane. One of the things Tom shared, and I'm really concerned in the body of Christ, is I do think there, and I don't, I don't want to sound critical, I don't want to sound judgmental, but I think there are people in the house of God and in the body of Christ in general that are truly not saved. They have mentally assented to belief in God. They know God exists, but even Satan believes that God exists, right? And I'm concerned in this house and I'm concerned in the body of Christ that we want the favor of God, but there, it, it, you must be born again. You must be born. And so Tom talked about his, his conversion. He talked about how that he was so convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He was so convicted of hell and th- that born-again experience. We must make sure, are we, are we in this room? Are you, teenagers, are you? Have you had that encounter where the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin, righteousness, and judgment? And there was this radical change in your life. Tom talked about it. I was 13. Man, I, there was no way I was not going to the altar. Holy Ghost was all over me. I was so convicted of sin and that I was going to hell that I ran to the altar in tears. That conversion you're not seeing very often in the house of God and in people's lives. Can I have an amen? amen. And you must... Be born again. This, you are not born again unless the Spirit of God has dealt with your heart. You cannot just say a simple prayer. Because the favor that we're talking about here is attracted to believers. Lovers of God. Mountain-moving believers. Devil-stomping Believers. Hell-breaking believers, lovers of God who are diligently pursuing God. Oh, heck with it. We're going to go for it. God's favor is attracted to believers, and I'm going to move on from that point. The third point that I want to make today and we'll land the plane. If your roast is getting dry, feel free to be diligent about going to make sure it's okay. Everybody say the word diligence. In Hebrews 11, we talked, it talks about that favor, pleasure of God is attracted to those who diligently seek God. God's favor and his reward is attracted to those who are diligently seeking him. Say amen. Are you diligently seeking God? There have been seasons in my life where I haven't been diligent, and there have been seasons where I've been very diligent. Are you in a season of diligently seeking the Lord? What does diligent mean? What is a diligent employee? What is a diligent wife? What is a diligent athlete? What is a diligent Christ follower? What is a diligent worship leader? What is a diligent drummer? What is a diligent guitar player? Are they casual? Oh, I can just get by and I'll just practice once a month. It'll be good enough. 
we have amazing worship. It doesn't just happen by chance. What does diligent look like? What does diligent look like in a believer? The Greek meaning for that word means to thoroughly seek God out. One who thoroughly seeks God out. One who exerts considerable effort and care to learn more about God, His character, and His ways for my life. Every say, His ways for my life. That attracts favor. Webster's definition is characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic searching. A sense of urgency. Everybody say urgency. To learn. Oh, now, Eric, I just don't like reading. Eric, I just, I fall asleep. I just, I think it's going to happen by osmosis. Not taken lightly or casually, but a serious matter. Not being flippant. There is this urgency. Diligence has this urgency to the hour. After we lost Kristen, and even in the process of Kristen and the journey of fighting, there was this urgency. And sometimes we lose our urgency. But the word that stuck out to me the most was that word casual. Anybody like that word casual? That we can't take God, his word, his church, his people, our, our, our devotion. We can't take it casually. And I think in the body of Christ we become casual. Even our dress is a little more casual, which I like very much. But I saw a quote online by John Rice that said, The world has never burned a casual Christian at the stake. The world has never burned a casual Christian at the stake. <laughs> I propose to you that casual, passive Christians will not attract the favor and pleasure of God. I'm going to say it again. I propose to you that casual, passive Christians will not attract the favor and pleasure of our Lord. You will have his love. You will be forgiven. You have, if you have been born, truly born again, there is a seed, there is a sperma of God in the inside of you that says, I want more. There is the DNA of God in you that says, I am not satisfied where I am at. I've got to know more of God. If you've been born again, it's there. You can run from God. You can go chasing the bars. But there is a seed in you going, you shouldn't be here. That's not your name. That is not who you are. Come back home. Return to your father. You're a prodigal. Come back home. If you've truly been born again, I'm telling you, that's in there. I ran for a season. But if you're wanting to be one of those who attract the favor of God, who attract the favor and the presence of God to heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, win the lost, disciple, to do the things of the kingdom, it won't be because you're a casual Christian. Casual Christians will not win the lost. Casual Christians will not disciple people. Casual Christians will not reach their community for Christ. Casual Christians will not bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. But those <laughs> who are diligently seeking him, but those who are diligently seeking him, but those who are diligently seeking him, they will mature and grow and they will attract the very favor of God on their life. Do you believe that? This 
is how we grow in the favor of God. Diligently seeking our precious God and our precious Savior. So when God sees you doing your part and developing and seeking and reading His Word and, I mean, doing all those things that I say are not works, they're how we grow into the favor of God. But as He sees you do your part, He will open doors that no man can shut. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And I'm going to say it again, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That convicts me. Because I know where my diligence lines up based upon that. And there are days where I'm a 10, and there's a days I'm a zero. Anybody else want to admit that? Would you allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to convict your heart right now? Where are you at today in your diligently seeking God? In some areas, you may be really diligently seeking the Lord, and there may be tremendous favor on your life. So let's review, and we'll land this plane. We must believe that God rewards us. We must be lovers of God. You must believe in Christ. And number three, we must be diligently seeking Him. Casual Christianity does not attract the favor of God, but diligence attracts His favor and His power. Stand up with me. I want to make a declaration over us today, and then I'm going to give you an action plan for the week of what you can do this week in order to begin to move your life and to begin to grow in the favor of God. I'm hoping that the Spirit of God convicted you in a couple areas today. Did anybody get convicted? Yes. Now apply it. Apply that conviction to your life and we're going to talk about that in the action plan. But I want to make a declaration with us today because I believe God's doing something and I believe He's growing this house and I'm going to put the declaration up there and I just want us to all read it together. And if you will by faith believe this, I believe God wants to do something really powerful in this house as we grow in the favor of God. Okay, let's read it. I declare that God is bringing a new season of growth and favor to my life, and I will cooperate with Him. I declare that I will diligently and earnestly seek after God and His ways with my whole heart. I repent and confess my sin of being casual in my walk with Christ. Pause. And let's read that again. I repent and confess my sin of being casual in my walk with Christ. Everybody close your eyes on that. Between you and God, just repent. Ask God to forgive you for being casual. Can you do that right now? Lord, I'm sorry. Father, I confess and I repent of being flippant and casual. And I thank you, God, for forgiving me. And I choose to be a diligent person after your heart. Yes. Let's continue. I declare and decree that I will be a radical, passionate, aggressive, and diligent lover of God. As I diligently pursue God, I will attract the favor of God to my life. By faith, I will obey God. I choose to grow in the favor of God. I declare that I will pursue knowing God through His Word, through prayer, and through worship on a daily basis. I choose to grow in the favor of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you want to get your phones out, you can take a picture of this. This is the action plan that I want. When I say action plan, this is how we apply what I've just preached to you today. How we begin to grow in the favor of God. You need to do something with what has just been declared. And so this is the action plan for this week. Four points. That's one good thing about phones. Right there. So what is the area in your life where, where you see the favor of the Lord on your life? I shared with you mine was the area of finances and money. 
What is it? Begin to ask each other, maybe husband and wife, maybe your children, where do you see the favor of God upon your life? The second thing is, ask God to show you what are you doing that attracts his favor to your life in this area. Are, are there areas where you're obeying God in your life that is attracting that favor to you? Because I think it's really important for us to connect the dots. And so it's important to ask God, God, what, what is it that it's attracting to your favor to me? So think about it, pray about it, ask him to help you connect the dots. If you don't see any favor in your life, that's a problem. Can we be amen on that? Then I would say, hey, maybe we need to recommit our life back to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're walking in such disobedience and sin you are, you're actually repelling the favor of God to your life. The Bible says what? God resists the proud, but he gives grace, the word favor. Remember, grace and favor. God resists pride, and he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. So if you're not experiencing any favor in your life, we need to find out where you're walking in pride. Because God resists pride. Cool with that? Okay, number three, ask yourself or your family, where do you not see the favor of God on your life? Begin to ask God, why is there no favor there? Ask God to convict you on this area. Ask him where you are not obedient. Ask him what you need to do to grow in his favor in this area of your life. Now, here's where I'm going to be vulnerable. That for me is my health. I'm not walking in the favor of the Lord in my health, and I'm in disobedience in some areas. Crap. Obvious why I'm not operating in favor in that area of my life, working on that. This really has been a very convicting message as I was preparing, and I told my wife, man, I repent. So, we're getting there. Be praying for me. Thank you. Number four, do this with your children today at lunch. Sit and talk about how God rewards us. Ask each other where you see favor on each other of your lives. If you see no favor, do what I said earlier. And ask each other why do you think that is. Can you guys do that? Okay. So, before we leave, there were a couple words of knowledge that uh, we, we, we've, we had and um, one was last week, and there was someone, there were people who were having vertigo. And w if I could just have the altar team come up right now, up here, if we could have the prophetic team go back there. If you're experiencing vertigo, uh, we want to pray for you. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I think that's some dizzy whizzies and all that. The, the other thing that I sensed from the Lord this morning, there are several here in this house, you are really struggling with your sleep. And that is not God's favor. And that is not what God wants. And I felt a sensing of an anointing today that we want to pray for you if you're struggling with sleep. And so we're, who's the other altar team people? If we could have them come up here. But if that, if that you guys are coming, great. If, if that is you, God is wanting to, to break some, some things off of you. And there's some tormenting and there's some things that are going on. And God's just wanting to bring peace and so there was that word of knowledge about sleeplessness. And so, Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that you're going to break that off today of people. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand and just by faith receive that in Jesus' name. Father, we come against sleeplessness. We come against it, Father, right now in the powerful name of Jesus. Lay hands on him. Father, we come against torment from the enemy. We come against restlessness in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you for breaking that off of your people today. God, we bind that. We take authority over that in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you that you are a restorer. Father, we thank you for favor and blessing coming to your people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. God, is there any other words of knowledge that you have for your people today? Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So we come against vertigo, we come against sleeplessness, and so Father, we thank you, thank you. There's some real strongholds of depression and anxiety 
Father, we take authority over that right now in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you. Uh, there's somebody here uh, that where, where you have been, it probably has even caused some sleeplessness to you even, but you are, there's just a real darkness and a heaviness that you're fighting through. I just sense you're supposed to go to the prophetic team, that they're going to have a prophetic word for you that's going to inspire hope. There's a word that's going to come to you in season, and God's going to break in in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, I just ask, God, as we seal this service, God, that you would be glorified and honored. I pray, God, that this week that we would pursue your favor and that, God, you would speak to our hearts as we apply your truth in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. We praise you. So here's what I want to do. There's going to be other people that are going to get prayed for. If, those, if it was sleeplessness or vertigo or the depression and anxiety, please feel free to come up. I'll even pray for people. We're going to end the service. 